Let's all go to the lobby. Let's all go to the lobby. Let's all go to the lobby to get ourselves a treat. Hi. You know that movie you always wanted to see, but you didn't for whatever reason? Well, I call those black hole films. Everyone has them, and this podcast aims to do something about that. I'm Jeremy Lalonde, and every episode I'll be joined by one or more guests to watch a film that at least someone in that group hasn't seen. We'll talk about our expectations of it before it, and then our thoughts after it. This is episode two, and I'm joined by Alan Backus, the program manager for the Harold Greenberg Fund, which is a fund that supports the development and production of feature films in Canada, along with Chris Booth, a filmmaker who made At Home by Myself with You and the upcoming Ordinary Days. Also joining is Sam Coyle, an actor and emerging filmmaker. And we're going to sit down and watch a film together. Okay, so we are here going to watch The Princess Bride, and I'll let everyone go around the room and introduce themselves. Alan Backus. I'm Sam Coyle. And I'm Chris Booth. Now, out of us, I've seen The Princess Bride. Uh, I have too. It's Chris. I did, yes, as and well. You, and you watched it recently again by accident. Yeah. <laughs> I thought that was the homework. That's okay. <laughs> but Alan... I have not. No. Never seen. I've seen little snippets here and there as I'm surfing through the channels, and certainly I'm aware of some of the characters and some of the famous lines, but I've never seen it. You know, I've maybe seen 5% of the movie. So what was wrong with your childhood <laughs> that you never... Good <laughs> question. Yeah, that's, that's just inconceivable. Um, you know, it was really in... No I was I'm sorry, couldn't 12 years old when this came out in 1987, yeah. so certainly I should have seen it because this right is it's right that age, that uh, kind of, you know, young teens or whatever, um, but just never did. I, I, I'm not sure why. I tend to, tend to follow what my older brother was doing and watching, so maybe it wasn't cool for, you know, 15-year-old boys or something like that. Uh, I think at that point I was really into RoboCop and Predator and uh, didn't Sylvester fit. Stallone movies, and this was not in that world. It was not on the menu. That's yeah. funny. Yeah. That's and, then I, and then I never, I've, I've watched a million movies since then, but uh, for some reason just never went to it. Yeah. I have no idea why. Uh, and and you, you have kids, so how old are your kids? Uh, seven and four. So if you enjoy it, it's like the perfect yeah. age to start sharing it. Yeah. Sure. What were you going to say, Sam? Uh, I think, well, it's cool that it, I mean, it's everlasting because it was it was uh, filmed before I was born. I was I'm mean, 88, so but I still saw it. I saw it when I was like 10 or 12 at the time that I think everybody starts seeing it. So it's like it just it's timeless in that way. I think. Right? Yeah, it's a classic in a lot of ways. Yeah. So what made you pick it? Because everybody always talks about it, and this is the Netflix thing. It's it's always on Netflix. It's like in the top 10 of like the you know either dramas or. or family or comedy so it's always there I always pass by it and I'm like I have to see this movie sometimes so that was just it was always in my mind yeah so what do you know about it if you can speak uh Mandy Patinkin uh, I know Andre the Giant uh you know the cast uh Carrie Elways and Wallace Shawn and that it's a kind of a fairy tale uh, Goldman William Goldman wrote it right yeah William yeah. Goldman yep yeah based off his novel so uh, that's what I know about it, and it's obviously a kind of a fantasy, fantasy film, yeah, adventure, was, adventure I, movie. I had a friend that was obsessed with this movie in high school, and this is, of course, right before the internet really became popular, and she wanted to do it as a play, <laughs> so she hand-typed up the movie script, because mm-hmm. it was back before you could just find scripts online. Yeah. 
Uh, and I was going to play Fezzik, <laughs> which is the under, <laughs> under the giant rule. <laughs> I think just because I was tall. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. So, so when you watch the movie, Alan, I want you to picture okay. myself. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> the giant. All right. Well, I think with that, we'll uh, we'll turn this off and watch, yeah. and we'll be right back. Awesome. Let's all go to the lobby to get ourselves a treat. Okay, and we're back. Please excuse the police sirens in the background. Um, They're coming to get you. It's always tough. We always have a quick bathroom break after we finish watching the movie, so say everyone has to sit in quiet. We can't really talk about it. So first impressions. Yes. I guess from Alan, since he's the virgin. Yes. So um, I, I was thinking about this as I'm watching it, formulating how I was, how I should put this. So I, I appreciated the movie on, I think, the level of of nostalgia and. Uh, I guess I guess influence in comedy and and filmmaking the kind of almost postmodern self-aware look at a kind of a type of fantasy film and mm-hmm. kind of lampooning it but not but taking it seriously. Yeah. But I would say, and this is kind of a theory I've been thinking about, is that I think I have passed the window in which I can appreciate the movie as much as you guys. But that's, I think that's how movies like this work. Like if you watched yeah. it as a child, you, yes. you give certain things to pass. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. You know, like, so, like, so I think the window of, appreci- of, of uh, appreciating this movie as a classic and loving it as a classic and always loving it and having, you can watch it over and over again and, st- and have it better as it goes along is you were either watch it uh, when it came out and you know just kind of you loved it because it was new and fresh and was different than anything else around it or you watched it at the age that you're of of a being being impressionable mm-hmm. uh like watching a comedy like i remember watching like you know the pink panther movies and like you know peter sellers movies like the party or something uh when i was 10 years old and that was like the funniest movie ever made you know mm-hmm. uh i i would wa- might watch that again or someone fresh to that movie might be like wow this is i don't yeah. know what's the big deal about this uh See, the so the party's one of my black holes i haven't seen it okay you may uh, you probably probably wouldn't like it <laughs> that's what i'm saying yeah, I, I think you think passed, so. i think you've passed I think the window of this so, so it, what I, it's, it's i'm leading to that i love that concept though like there's yeah. the window of time you would have appreciated yeah. this movie so i i'm leading to uh i didn't instantly love it mm-hmm. uh appreciate it on a certain level of film history but i wasn't like that's okay. Yeah, you, I wasn't oh, like laughing out loud, or wasn't like. Yeah, uh, yeah, we know you weren't laughing. Out loud. Yes, <laughs> that's another whole another thing. I, I don't laugh too much. I appreciate funny movies. I, I find things funny even though I don't laugh at things. I get that way. It takes a lot for me to laugh out loud. Yeah, I used to sit yeah. there and go, "That's funny." Yeah, that's really interesting though what you said because it, 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 I wonder how many movies it does uh, kind of fall in that kind of that camp because yeah. There's there are those movies that you, you watch again, and, and the argument is, oh, that didn't hold up, or or it does hold up. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Uh, but yeah, I wonder in terms of like uh, like you haven't seen Star Wars, you said. No, but I feel that way about Casablanca because mm-hmm. I saw it oh. and I I did, really didn't like it. I was mm-hmm. like meh because I didn't like the acting style and all of that. But mm-hmm. that was because it's just so I'm past that 
time of appreciation. Yeah, we talked about them when Glenda and Kevin and I watched yeah. it for the, the previous episode where it's like that acting style. You have to buy into it. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, yeah. And even comedy. Comedy too is very few kind of like evergreen comedies uh, that are funny throughout time. Mm. You know, there are, there are movies you appreciate for the for certain things, but in terms of uh, comedy, there's I think there's more drama and thrillers and stuff that I think last longer and uh, than than comedy. I think comedy is a kind of a time and place. Yeah, and, and, and you really get, and, and like even uh, trends comedies uh, you know influence other comedies too. So yeah. there are like some jokes in this movie, for instance, that that you would have seen in other movies that yes. maybe you did yeah. like. Yeah. yeah. Yeah, it was interesting. I was just I was uh, in Los Angeles last week in the CFC Comedy Exchange program, and they set you up with a bunch of great meetings. And two of the meetings we had was I had a meeting with Ivan Reitman's producing partner, who did like produce Ghostbusters and you know all those movies, mm-hmm. and also the Fairley Brothers producer. So like you got know, something about Mary, and we were and we had the conversation just about that about comedy throughout the ages. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. The Fairley Brothers producer was just like I don't think there's something about Mary still stands up. Because I don't think audiences would have, like, young kids would appreciate it the way they did, the audiences did when it came out. And I'd love to, like, my yeah. kids aren't quite old enough yet to, to watch that, that movie. Mm-hmm. But I'm like, I wonder if they still, because my kids die laughing at Home Alone and movies like that. Right? Mm-hmm. But then that's also designed more for kids. Yeah. And, you, and kids do give it a pass, I do think. Yeah. There's less scrutiny as you I was older. thinking about that, about mm. this, though, is that. I don't find it very kid-friendly in terms of the comedy and stuff. Like, there's things like bonking on heads and, and like, but there's a lot of, like, Manny Patinkin was incredible because he plays it straight the whole way through. There's no, like, winking at the camera at all throughout his stuff. He still credits this as one of his favorite performances. Yeah. Yeah. And he says still once or twice a day. He has that line quoted to him. If he's out in public or anywhere, if people come up and say, and he doesn't get mad about it. It is a very strange movie. Like I, I can't really compare it to anything else. It's, yeah. it's, it's not quite a Mel Brooks movie. It's a, no. It's Mel Brooks is so much more exaggerated, but it's in that kind of slightly lampooning a genre world. It's like Monty Python. It's a little, little bit, bit Monty Python, yeah. but again, not as exaggerated. Yeah. But some of the some of the the rhythm shows. of comedy is similar, yeah. mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Uh, but just not as not as in your face, you know. Yeah, yeah and there's different tone. Like then you the, you have the Billy Crystal scene with Cheryl <laughs> Kane, yeah. where it just feels like this is so out of anywhere else. Completely different from yeah. the, the movie. Yeah. But that that feels like a Mel Brooks scene where yeah. they just go into a whole another character that's only in one scene, yeah. but they just they just written for that actor, you yeah. know, Billy Crystal, and and. Yeah. Uh, that's that's the stuff of great comic movies. It's right. just kind of going on a on a sidebar, you know, detour uh, and just reveling in a funny actor, funny yeah. character. Yeah. Blazing Saddles does that really really well. Yeah, too, from from a Mel Brooks point of view. Yeah. And I was trying to think if they make movies like this for kids, like now. twelve year olds now. You know, like the silence when he gets up and he empties his boot. Like it's there's so much. There's like that moment, yeah. Like calmness and quietness about it, and it's it's still funny, but it's not like, you know, flashy. It's not a flashy. No, even like the word wordplay in that scene with Wallace Shawn, where there's that bantering back and forth with the with the wine and the eye king. Oh yeah, yeah. That that kind of stuff. It's just like it doesn't quite. It's interesting. My son, I showed this to my son when he was four or five, and then he was asking today what movie we were watching because he's a big movie nerd, and he didn't remember it. 
Which yeah. is, but he and his movie memory is insane. So mm. the fact that he did four and five, though, that's so young. But he remembers almost everything he's ever seen. Wow. Like he'll talk about a movie I showed him when he was five, as if he just watched it the week before. Wow. Because he's got less things to remember too. I think that's mm. part of it. <laughs> <laughs> we do, right? We have more. Yeah, more yeah that's it. Of, that's it. Yeah, I get impressed. I'm like, right? You have less things to remember. Um, but but the fact that he didn't remember it, and I know we watched it together, almost says something to me too that it didn't leave an impression mm. on him. And I even showed him the trailer. So jog his memory, nothing. Hmm. Um, but it's like, but you were sitting there. Chris was sitting. Yeah, there Chris, you haven't so. seen it in how many years? Is this the first uh, time? The last time I saw it was in high school. Okay, so uh, and what's what's your? Impression I loved it. it. Yeah, I mean, but like it, it it's it's a like I'm a uh, I'm like I wear my heart on my sleeve. I'm a little softy. Like these are the kind of movies that that inspire me to make movies, right? Mm-hmm. And so it's a comfort it, food. It, it, yeah, it's mm-hmm. got a great yeah. mix of like over the tops like sappiness. But like it's full, it's for a good cause, right? It's for true love, mm. and, and the music <laughs> and plays. And stuff like, yeah, it, that yeah, that that's it exactly. I think uh, you know it. Uh, you know, I mean, I remember, I remember uh, 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 biking down to the Max Milk and renting it on VHS, mm. and not wanting to rent it because it was about uh, a princess named Buttercup, and I was like, I don't want to watch this. But then I found out that Fred Savage was in it. And I was a huge Wonder Years. <laughs> so that was your game. That was totally the, the way in. And uh, 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 you know, so when uh, you know when this, the uh, this medieval movie starts with a video game, instantly I think mm-hmm. it, it, it grabbed me. And you know, I, I didn't see it until uh, I was in high school, and it was when that play had come up, and I actually read it first. Mm-hmm. I read it before I had seen it. Really? Which was an you read the book? I, no, the I read the, the play. The, the play oh, was basically just a transcript okay. of the movie. Yeah. Uh, and so that I read it before I saw it. Um, and so and some of it just didn't make any sense on the page. Yeah. <laughs> and then once you saw it enacted, it was like, oh, right, this doesn't make sense. Um, so I would have liked to read the book. The play because sometimes I still some of what Andre the Giant says I still oh, yeah, I yeah. still don't get no but, sense. It's, yeah. but that's part of the how endearing the whole thing is that how he talks yeah 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 yeah, yeah, yeah. they had but even to, Manny Tinkin sometimes I was like his accent was so thick that's why I was saying he wasn't playing oh, he was that's, that's a fake accent yeah, yeah. 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 where where Andre the Giant they had to because um, he's also English is not his first language uh-huh. right he's Hungarian. Well, he's French. I he was French. French, yeah. That sounds uh, right. Andre the French Giant. That was his. That's right. His wrestling. Um, and I think, <laughs> if I remember, I read somewhere that they had to. He had to memorize his lines phonetically. Mm-hmm. Uh, and they had like a tape recorder for him oh. that he had to listen to before he uh, before he put it the scenes because he couldn't memorize things. It had to be like that and fresh. He was so cute when he would smile, though. It was so endearing. Hey, lady. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> if you recall, uh, Billy Crystal made a movie. Like what, ten years after this, or twenty years maybe, even My called Giant. My Giant, which is based on his interactions with Andre the Giant making, oh. making this movie. Oh, because that. they didn't spend a lot of time together, but they spent a fair amount. Mm-hmm. And Andre always, um, I guess, spoke of it as one of the best experiences of his life because nobody looked at him like a freak. There, he was just they looked at him as an equal, mm-hmm. and it was a big thing for him. Mm-hmm. I want to give some casting trivia though. Mm-hmm. Since we're talking about Andre, other people before before they cast him in it. Originally, Arnold Schwarzenegger was cast as Fred Savage. What? <laughs> um, and then when he fell out, that was, was what year? What year? It was originally supposed to be made in the seventies. Eighty-seven. Eighty-seven. Yeah. It was originally eighty-seven, isn't it? Yeah. Yeah. yeah it, was, it was originally supposed to be made in the seventies, and Schwarzenegger was attached, and then it didn't get made for whatever reason. So it was re 
brought back up I, later on. When I think of 87, I think of Bill and Ted's Excellent Adventure. That's, yeah, that's that, that It's the same year. Oh, wow. Yeah. That's crazy. Uh, and two other, uh, Kareem Abdul-Jabbar was up for the part. Mm-hmm. Yeah, see that. <laughs> uh, and the other one, <laughs> Liam Neeson screen-tested. Ah. No way. And the reason they didn't cast <laughs> him was because Rob Reiner said he was too short. <laughs> screen tested for Andre the Giant's part? Yeah. Or Mandy Blake? Oh, okay. For Fezzik. I could see him as Mandy They would Mandy have to, Jenkins like, part. fake that, though, because I kept thinking Andre wasn't that tall, and I was like, oh, they're cheating this, they're cheating this. But when they he was on his back and head-to-head, I was like, oh, fuck. He's, he's a big guy. Yeah. <laughs> well, they, uh, I read somewhere, too, that um, when Robin Wright, because uh, they were shooting in Ireland, right, and it was off-season, it was cold, um, he would put his hand on her head to help keep it warm. Because it was, because you know, it was <laughs> her head, and that was enough. They, they kept, they didn't need to bring out a hat or anything. So he would just keep her head, oh. yeah, her warm with his hand on his head, her head. Wow. She it was must. great. Is this her first role? Is that, that was her, that's, apparently that's yeah. her yeah. first role. Yeah. Well, and you were talking about in the break, where the the well, yeah, it's just it, I, I find it interesting. Like the most feared uh, woman right now in me, in media. <laughs> Right uh, from House of Cards, you know, was such a submissive character <laughs> when she was first. Like it's it's weird. Like it's like I don't think that that this movie could be made the way it is exactly now. So now, well, that yeah, there's always a lot of conversation. Originally, who Rob Reiner wanted for the part was Carrie Fisher. Oh yeah, oh. yeah, and I don't know why she didn't do it, but yeah, it's probably too old for at for that point. Yeah, yeah. it's eighty-seven. Uh, they got the Star Wars guy that's, that did the fencing. That was so good. It was the okay. same show. They practiced that for months. I bet. Because they both did either hand. Yeah, and they both and did all of their own stuff except for the flips. Right. Because yeah. only the only some people that were in that. That's part of the comedy though to see that see like to cut away to seeing like a professional yeah. do do doing the flips I and mean, you see that that's in comedies after, after and after and after and land. But uh, yeah. I love uh, like that's that stuff is always I think. It's getting tiresome now, but again, I think you're right. There's just like this nostalgia thing for people who grew up with it to, mm. to see how silly that is to cut away to like like somebody who's actually an athlete doing the flips around and around and around. Well, and that's just and there is something that is very theatrical, but stays theatrical about this, which I think, like to your point, is like if you were to remake this today, um, you'd have to update her for sure. Yeah. She'd have to be far more independent. Yeah. Um, but also it's like who would you I think I don't know if you could I mean first of all I think this is one of those untouchable movies that it's like if it was ever remade people would be it'd have to be it'd be an animation it would have to be reimagined like that's just it 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 has it's a a product of the time and place and the style of comedy style of storytelling at that time you can't they'd have to make it so much well they'd make it so much bigger it'd be covered in CGI too and in fact I I wonder if so the, the book probably was written years before I don't know, maybe you should look it up because I wonder if the the Peter Falk character and Fred Savage characters in the book because that would that would be re- weird to read where a character is reading a book within a book. Uh, I wonder if that was written just for the screenplay or because um, well, in the because he wrote William Goldman wrote the book The Prince Bride, but yeah. in the screenplay they credit a fake author with yeah. the, as if this book has been around for a while. Yeah. yeah. Sorry, years. on like on screen, his credit is different. No, no, in the when the Peter Falk is introduced in the book to yeah. Oh, okay, the book within a book. Yeah, yeah. Princess Bride by uh, 1973 yeah. romance. That's novel. when he wrote it. Wow. Okay. Yeah, and it was supposed to be, so it was, but it was originally supposed to be produced in the 70s. Mm. It didn't get made, and so yeah. it was made in 
was it 87 I guess yeah mm -hmm. yes I was six when it came out but I didn't see it until I was in high school right it was one of those ones that fell through the cracks for me too I don't know why I don't think I ever even heard about it but I, was, I didn't watch Star Wars until I was a teenager too like yeah because my parents didn't watch those kind of movies mm -hmm. we watched comedies but I don't know how this one slipped through I guess the fantasy element just befell my parents yeah I don't even remember it out I think it might have been like one of those movies discovered on video or something like that because mm. I don't remember it even being I have a vivid memory of everything I see and experience especially at that time it was such a formidable time for me and for watching movies and stuff but you remember the like, trailers that you watched I totally remember everything I remember which movies came out and when in the summertime and stuff oh, wow. and I just don't remember this at all in the theater so I think it was might have been one of these movies that wasn't particularly successful in the box office, but was a you know VHS discovery or something like that. Yeah. You know, mm -hmm. and it, and it's such an interesting like just to talk about like Rob Reiner as a director. It's mm. like this is just after Stand by Me. Yep. Yeah, this is this is a yep. part of a great run of movies in the like he's probably the king of the eighties. Yeah, commercial directors. Before that was Spinal Tap. Yeah, and there's actual Christopher Guest plays the six figured man. Yeah, I don't know if you catch the reference, but six plus five is. Oh, I did not get that. Eleven. Okay. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That's Spinal Tap <laughs> reference. Oh. Yeah. The, the, have you seen Spinal Tap? No. Oh, Sam. Anyway, I don't want to remember yeah. it, but you guys get it. Yeah. And hopefully, the people. There's a, there's a very famous reference in Spinal Tap that relates to the number eleven. Yeah. <laughs> and he did. I think he did Harry Met when Harry movie. Met Sally after this. Yeah. And then Misery. There might have been one more. Oh, I think he did. A few good men. A few good men. Yeah, that was been early nineties. Early nineties. There is. There was another one he did earlier on. I think, but after Spinal, I think he did one in between Spinal Tap and this. Can't remember what it is. I might have them down. I have my uh, movies down. In but an incredible order. run of really successful great commercial. Movies. But all over movies. the place, yes, genre-wise. Yeah. 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 That's that's cool as a director yeah. to see that. Well, you think the same guy that made a Princess Bride. This is Spinal Tap, yeah. Few Good Men, Good Men. When Harry Met Sally, Sally, Misery. Misery. Like, what a yeah. crazy, yeah. all-over-the-place filmography. That's yeah. cool. Um, trying to think of a director that had that diverse of a filmography. Mm -hmm. That close together. Like, mm -hmm. there's different people that reinvent themselves. Right. Yeah. You know, like, Woody Allen will go between, like, hard drama and hard comedy, but it's, like, it's not the same as, like, these different genres. But they're yeah. still within the same... Style, it's still very much you know? his like kind those, of like, those themes. films are completely different, yeah. Yeah. That's Where these, like, I wonder if you could watch these and see, like, a signature style in them. Yeah. All right. Well, yeah, I don't know. I mean, this is vastly different um, style-wise than, than Stand By Me. Stand By Me. Misery? Is, and, well, Misery, yeah. This, uh, this, des this matches a lot more, like, Spinal Tap than it does Stand By Me, which came in between. Or even when Harry Met Sally. Harry Met Sally. Um, yeah, busy. I don't think he has any any hallmark looks or or things that you can point to as that's a that's a Rob Reiner, you know, yeah. shot or no, something. Right. Um, yeah. yeah. So I guess he he. Just, I mean, I have to read more about it. I, I I didn't come prepared for it, but it's just like I think he was probably just one of those really good director for hires. Yeah. yeah. It's like he can deliver a movie on time and on yeah. budget. Yeah. yeah. And uh, yeah, but they're well directed. Like mm -hmm. you can see it. Yeah. And, yeah, it's yeah, but even like there's like some of those 
things like that, that, that sequence where they climb up the rocks. That's very weird. Yeah, I was knowing that. Like, that is a very weird. It's so long and so drawn out. But it's also like it's there's so no strange. way they faked that. It is so strange. Like, yeah. there's probably, there's probably got, they've got ropes there's, attached to them. But they they yeah, were like stunt doubles and stuff. Yeah. But they're still, like, they're dangling over a high yeah. ledge. Like, mm. th- that would be t- shot totally different today. Yeah. yeah. You know, like they're still climbing up a really high ledge, and the sequence goes on far longer than it ever it's would. Yeah, yeah. yeah, I've been there. I've well, been, they'd have more stuff I've been now. To that place that's in Ireland, hmm. it's uh, yeah. that's near Galway. Yeah. But now they'd have like they'd be throwing rocks down at the guy. They yeah. would never be, you know, <laughs> it would never be as simple as it is. But that's what I love about it too. I love that it's somewhat simple, and they had that very. He's like, I'm gonna throw you a rope. Yeah, let's just get up here. And <laughs> it's and it's. Uh, I wonder if it's, it must have been a conscious thing where some of the scenes feel like purposefully uh, like was a fake is the word like when they're when they're on that sort of mountaintop like it's it's clearly a set okay, yeah, you know yeah. and this was Rob Ryan has had successful movies and so clearly they probably could afford could have afforded a more you know. Uh, better, better set deck or something yeah. to make it more real. But I think they they purposefully went for an artificial, yeah. um, you know, yeah. old, old style. I think uh, part of it was that they had they they practiced that fight for three months, and so they had a very specific landscape mm. around it. And I think that's probably yeah. why it was a yeah. set. Like Andre Giant's rock, he's holding when he when he when he's throwing going to throw the rock. It's clearly not a rock. Like yeah. it's just so funny. <laughs> You know, but I think I, for me, I just buy into it that it's like the fantasy land. Yeah, right? so exactly. It's like a story yeah, book, yeah. You, know, you kind of, yeah, that's kind of how I look at it. You know, the backdrop is clearly, you know. Well, yeah. well that's what's great about the the narrative structure and device with the kid and the grandfather. Yeah. It kind of yes. allows for you yeah. to dispense certain things. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Um, yeah, like it's got that moment where, which I kind of forgot about that. When they cut away and when the eels are on and they come back and he like yada yada's over a bunch of it, yeah. and the words are in their mouths. No, dude, that just smacks the yeah. And then, well, the <laughs> timing like, of this, totally right? Yeah, <laughs> takes takes away any attention from that moment. So if you were, if you if it was being remade today, who would you cast in it? Today, yeah, Ryan Gosling. Oh, as as I, Wesley, I that's like, pretty good. Uh, he's old though now. He's a bit old. I, yeah, I would feel someone like, like a Bradley he, Cooper or something. But again, yeah, he's, he's older old. than Gosling. Yeah, you need like the the, Gosling, the yeah, twenty Gosling year olds, get the uh, twenty five year olds. Somebody. Yeah, but then, in this day and age, you probably would need to have some kind of recognizable person. Right. You know? Yeah, because you can still do the introducing for Buttercup. So we can't do that. We have to still have a new actor for a Buttercup. Yeah. yeah. Oh, um, Gosling's a great choice, though. What's, uh, uh, what's his... Uh, what's his... Yeah. Um, from, the, from, the, from the Hangover and, and from Community... Galifianakis? No, no, no. The, uh, <laughs> well, Galifianakis would be hilarious. He can play, play Fezzik. But I was thinking about Miracle Max uh, would be... Uh, uh, the uh, Ed Helms? No, uh, the... Uh, Ken Jeong? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Oh, Ken Jeong, yeah. 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 I think the Rock, the Rock could play Fezzik? Yeah. Just keep with the wrestler motif? <laughs> or you just, like, make Josh oh, the Ad really the Rock. <laughs> the Rock would be perfect. Yeah. <laughs> be hilarious. Um, and who would you cast as... I'd still see if Mandy Patinkin wanted to come back and play yeah. it. Oh, yeah, 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 totally. <laughs> <laughs> no, no, what you do is you insert... to do all the fencing still. You insert a flashback scene where you see his father's death, oh, and yeah. now he plays... Yeah, whatever father. his father's name is, I can't remember the name. And that's how you do that. <laughs> and that's that's his cameo, and he would totally do it. Mm-hmm. Oh, unless he didn't want nothing to do with the movie. 
Um, and while it's Sean, I'd cast Ennis Esmer. <laughs> <laughs> right? He'd regret that part. Or, no, I'd cast Ennis. It would be Ennis's Ennis part. would be awesome. Man. Yeah, he'd be perfect. <laughs> um, who would direct who? Princess Bride now? Hmm. If you're going for like complete reimagining, Wes Anderson. That would be. No, uh, I'm not. Sh- well, yeah. I'm, I mean, I don't think he cool. would do a, a remake. I don't think he would. No, 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 no. Movie. Yeah, this but is if you're famous. if you're in on your wish list, <laughs> we're not gonna. If he does it. anything, uh, he would make something anything interesting. Yeah. Because um, he'd really go with the, the storybook conceit. I think he'd push it in a way that mm-hmm. people would be okay with. Interesting. Because mm-hmm. it would have such a distinct visualness to it. Hmm. I'd like to see like a weirder take on it too. Like Tim Burton. Yeah. Tim Burton. <laughs> In that case, Johnny Depp would be a Nigo Montoya. Hmm. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> oh my God. Uh, Iron Man. Uh, oh, uh, John Favreau. John oh, Favreau yeah. would oh, be yeah. uh, would do a that, really yeah. great job. Yeah, totally. Uh, today, with that movie, I'd watch that. Yeah. <laughs> and Robert Downey Jr. could be a Nigo Montoya. Yeah, there you go. He'd work too. And then Bern Euler would be, uh... Would be... Humperdinck. Humperdinck. <laughs> and that would like Bern Euler. For those who don't know, Bern Euler is the uh, director of the Canadian Film Fest. And I turned to Christian Louis on my Bern Oh, uh, yeah. <laughs> he's totally... He's totally Humperdinck. We'll try... Uh, we'll, we'll, when, we, when we post this podcast, Chris, it's your job to find... Do a, a screen do, by do screen. A screen dra- grab a boat. Shot comparison to, yeah. to post up. Sure, uh, sure. We didn't have to talk about the music. Mark Knopfler. So as, as the music was going on, I, I found it, again, another kind of strange, sort of electronic, yeah. synthesized version of a... Very of, a, of a swashbuckling kind of score. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Uh, it pulled it, me out sometimes. Yeah. Oh, yeah and, yeah. Um, I mean, I think the movie could have been stronger if it was... Something a bit more classical, uh, orchestrated. Um, there is some of that, though. There is, yeah. 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 But it does have that very digital, digitized. Yes, I, I like the sort of uh, the sort of plucking guitar that's the end theme and the beginning. I yeah. think that's a nice a nice theme. Uh, but some of the synthesized stuff felt a little weird. Yeah, a little, a little weird. Yeah, I noticed that there was one like it was done by a kid yeah. on his organ. <laughs> yeah. But then you got to stick with that choice, right? If, if the idea is like, you know, we're seeing this movie through like the imagination of Fred Savage, mm. then I mean that's another way to take this. It's like to really push that conceit yeah. of like of him thinking about it that way. And you right. could now with modern graphics, mm. you could have like him even switching actors, doing different things, where you could like. As he's as he's reimagining the movie in his head, like that'd be an interesting. That's the direction I would take it in, playing being a bit more meta with that storytelling conceit. Right. As he's imagining the story, his grandfather's telling him him changing the story in his own mind, just visually that's and aesthetically yeah, mm-hmm. yeah, yeah, doing yeah. something with that conceit. Well, because that's what what I like about even even reading a book is that everybody's going to read it differently. Meanwhile, when we view this film, we're all seeing the same Im- images. But when you read something, you you're projecting your own mm-hmm. ideas mm-hmm. onto it, right? So you could see the kid going and the new information that he's getting, he's going, oh, they don't, they're not like that, and then change it as the story goes along, right? Yeah, which so. is interesting. And even what was interesting, because like I said, I read it as like a transcription before, and the person who did the adaptation mm-hmm. wrote like uh, Young Wesley and then wrote Man in Black. So as I was reading it, I had no idea 
that Wellesley and the Man in Black are the same person. But when you're watching, it's very clearly Carrie Elway. Elway is that how you pronounce his last name? It's very clearly him. Right. Like I don't. I think you probably caught it right away, right? Yeah. Yeah, but as a, as, as a reader, well, I, like, I just I just knew the I knew the imagery of the movie. Kid, I, I didn't know. I remember. I remember the mustache. I remember the effect. Well, I remember the as you wish as it's going down the hill and me going. <gasps> <laughs> I, I think I don't think no, that was meant to be totally. a surprise for filmmakers so. at the time. Maybe for kids, but I think most people. I'd be cu- and I'll, I'd be curious to read the reviews, the original reviews of that movie. From 1987. Every once in a while, I do that. If I, if I'm watching a movie that you know, maybe I've watched several times before, and I just want a different perspective on it, read like the original, like Variety or Hollywood Reporter or review, review of, of yeah, or a Roger Ebert review mm-hmm. of that movie in 1987. Always has a different mm-hmm. um, point of view on a movie because that's literally probably the first time anyone has seen it is yeah. Yeah. that Variety re- Reporter, you know. Well, it's funny when you think about like classic movies. How like now they're you know some people put them in those realms of untouchable. Or, like they let things pass because well, it's classic. You gotta or you you give the argument that it's, well, it's of its time and you can't you know if it's a little racist or a little sexist. <laughs> it's like well, it's not its fault because it was yeah. made then. You let it. You give it a pass, right? Mm-hmm. But it'd be interesting to see how people like you said. It's like going back and, and doing that and and seeing how people thought of it in the time yeah, mm-hmm. yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, and how they were critical of it in ways mm-hmm. that we maybe don't because we saw it under different circumstances okay. uh, and, and give it a pass because of that. It's an awesome yeah. movie. Yeah, it's fun. <laughs> well, I'm glad you got... Do you, are you, do you, did you find you wanted your hour and a half back or you were happy? Uh, no, this is uh, it's actually a mile important. I, ha- I needed to see that. I was a, a student of film history it's a shame that I took too long to watch this movie. So, yeah, I'm glad. Glad to have seen it. Yeah. In its entirety. All in one go. It's not on a big screen, but this screen, which the listeners at home can't see, fantastic viewing experience yeah. in Jeremy Lalonde's, uh loft of his coach house. <laughs> and Sam, last final thoughts or impressions on watching it again? Yeah, I think, I mean... You know, as a, f- a feminist filmmaker, I think that was what stuck out to me as well. There's sometimes I'm like, hit the damn so, animal. Yeah, <laughs> like, I was... Like, you're saving... Like, why does this guy have to do everything? And that was the thing that I'm like, I want to write a princess movie where, you know, you, you can be badass, too. And, like, you know, sure, you're right. not going to be as stronger, and you will be, you know, women were seen as weaker at that time, too, but... They still had thoughts and still had all of this yeah. stuff that wasn't explored. In that's that. a, yeah, that's kind of a missed opportunity, I think, for a, a meta movie that's self-aware of its own existence. Uh, the fact that they didn't do anything more with her character uh, and give her more to work with yeah. is kind of a missed opportunity. She jumped into the eels and that was about it. Yeah, <laughs> yeah she was blindfolded yeah. for the first 20 minutes of the movie, you know? <laughs> Yeah. Which is which is maybe why Carrie Fisher was like, fuck this. Really. Yeah. <laughs> like, what do you want to use when you sit there and do nothing for an hour and a half? For sure, yeah. So that could have been a reason why they couldn't get it. They had to go for a young discovery. Because what are they going to do? Say no? Yeah. Less notes. Yes. Well, it's because at that point, I think Carrie Fisher was already uh, a script doctor in Hollywood. Yeah. Well, she's she's in When Harry Met Sally. Yeah, she's yeah. Sally's best friend. Yeah, so that's probably the connection why they probably offered it to her. Yeah, final thoughts, Chris. It's so incredibly sentimental. I, I love it. I, 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 I don't know. 
that's the, that's that's what it is. I, I forgot how how much of a like a perma grin I have while I'm watching this, and it's the, partly the music, it's partly the kind of like I thought that uh, you know it's incredibly cheesy, uh, but to to I, I really buy these two people falling in love throughout the entire uh, throughout the entire movie, and and. Uh, you know, with the the sunset in the background, or the you know the the kiss at the beginning, and and the sunset in the background, it just it's uh, it's it's kind of like the the way the movies were were made, and those movies are never made now, mm-hmm. and so it's, I, I'm kind of longing for that kind of, that style of happy ending to a movie, that that kind of like you know everything works out in the end. <laughs> yeah. And will you show this to your kids now? Yeah, oh, totally, I totally. Well, it's on Netflix, so yeah, you can. Yeah. Uh, yeah, well, I have the Blu-ray at home. I just haven't watched it <laughs> forever. Oh, thanks, guys. Yeah. Thank All you. right. Thanks for tuning in. <laughs> thanks for joining us for the Princess Bride. If you like the show, please feel free to subscribe and tell everyone you know about it. I'm Jeremy Lalonde. You can find me on Twitter at Lalonde Jeremy. Thanks for joining us. And if you have any black hole films you'd like to recommend, please let us know. Thanks. Let's all go to the lobby to get ourselves a treat.